0: I'm Brett McGarry. I've been away for about a week, and while I was away, I hunkered down and watched the second seasons of Marvel Netflix shows Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. The results were surprising, plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I'll review the newest Cohen classic and something a little less classic, but still fun, plus... On home video, it's time to celebrate a 15th anniversary for a Christmas classic. First, it's the news from the couch. Yes. No, no. It's horrible, isn't it? Isn't it?
1: Please. Open your eyes and look
0: at what you did! Look, or I'll cut your eyelids right off your face. That's the voice of Dexter Morgan, the Miami serial killer who only kills other killers. Dexter ran on Showtime for eight seasons starting in 2006, based on the book series about a guy who works as a blood spatter expert with the Miami Police Forensics team, and on the side, he kills bad people. I've seen recent comments from Michael C. Hall, the actor who played Dexter, indicating he might be up for a return. Cody!
1: Astor! Time for school! He's you
0: sleep last night? An hour and a half, maybe. Dexter Morgan, good suburban husband, happy father of three. On paper, anyway. Dexter Morgan has everything he wants,
1: except the one thing he needs.
0: Okay, you planning on both of us not sleeping for another three months? <laughs> a little time to kill. Most recently this week, he spoke to Variety, and he said, quote, People on the street are always telling me about the talk of a Dexter reboot. There have been little percolations, but nothing that's felt worth pursuing. Prior to that, he told the Daily Beast, even though most of the show's fans hated the series ending. He says, quote, It left a gnarly knot in some viewers' stomachs, but I stand by how that eighth season ended. He says he is up to return to the role, but it has to be a good idea, a good story. Also, he says there have been no official discussions. Nothing has been greenlit. He's merely just open to the idea of once again playing Dexter Morgan. Everyone else would probably thank me if they knew I was the one who drained him of his life. Good job in there, Dex. You sliced him up good.
1: In fact, deep down, I'm pretty sure they'd appreciate a lot of my work.
0: Way to take out the trash. Thanks, buddy. All right, Dexter, protecting our children! Yeah, they see me. I'm one of them. In their darkest dreams. We wish them great success on their North American tour. And so say all of us, tap into America!
1: Spinal Tap is getting back together for a special show in 2019 celebrating the 35th anniversary of the greatest comedy of all time, this is Spinal Tap, a mockumentary following the band on its North American tour.
0: Let's talk about your reviews uh, a little bit regarding intravenous to Milo. This tasteless cover is a good indication of the lack of musical invention within. That's nitpicking isn't it? The gospel according to Spinal Tap, this pretentious ponderous collection of religious rock psalms is enough to prompt the question what day did the Lord create Spinal Tap? And couldn't He have rested on that day, too? I've heard that one. No,
1: uh, that's, that's a good a one. Way. That's a good one. The
0: review you had on Shark Sandwich, which was merely a two word review, just uh, said <laughs> sandwich. Um,
1: where they, <laughs> they print that? Where'd they print that? That's not real. Is it? You can't print that. For what it's worth the DVD of This Is Spinal Tap is still the gold standard when it comes to commentaries. They do it as their characters all the way through and it's hilarious. Rob Reiner directed the 1984 classic and stars Christopher Guest, Michael McKean and Harry Shearer will join Reiner at an exclusive celebratory screening at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2019 in Manhattan. They'll also play as a band at the screening. The festival runs from April 24th to May 5th.
0: If you can see, yeah, the numbers all go to 11. Look right across the board, oh. 11, oh, 11, and, most 11 the and then... Amps then go up to ten? Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not ten. You see, most, most blokes are going to be playing at ten. You're on ten here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on ten on your guitar. Where mm-hmm. can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff you know what we do oh, put it up to 11, 11 exactly one loud why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder these go to 11 you're devoid of anything that's remotely caring or empathetic shut up that is a great compliment you don't come to work for two days because you were constipated? Yeah, luckily it was only two days. People do things constipated.
1: Come on, I shot a porno constipated. I ran a 5K marathon constipated. I was on a hot dog eating contest constipated. And I still f-ing want. J.B. Smoove, a.k.a. Leon, is usually the best addition to the second half of Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's the boisterous, foul-mouthed, energetic presence in a world that was otherwise a little bit quieter. They've been working on Curb Season 10, and they put out a teaser this week, which features J.B. Smoove arriving on set to find out Leon didn't have any scenes to shoot that day, but he still inserted himself in the scene anyway.
0: What is there to love about a poppy seed? Seat? Poppy seed's amazing. What are you kidding? What about I, Sesame? You like that too? I like the saying it, I don't so like eating it. You only see that. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> huh? What are so
1: you on? doing? We're filming. You're I'm filming too. You're not in this scene. I'm in this now. You drove in full costume, right I did. Right? You guys yeah, want preparation, yeah. right? Hey, you're not in the scene. Get out. I'm in this now. I'm already here. Larry David and friends will be back sometime in 2019, we guess. There's been no premiere date announced yet from HBO, but it's coming. Cover Enthusiasm, Season 10, up in this. You know how? In Plymouth, I like to
0: say everybody knows everything. funny if the truth was that nobody knows anything how long have i been on blimber feels like we've all been here forever <sighs> what's this just a little scratch please don't kill that man a what a new trailer popped up this week for a movie that caught my attention back in June called Serenity. Not to be confused with the 2005 sci-fi film starring Nathan Fillion. I want to resolve this like civilized men.
1: I'm not threatening you. I'm unarmed. Good.
0: We're playing the music for the first season of True Detective by the way because Matthew McConaughey is in Serenity. He plays Baker Dill. A fishing boat captain who leads tours uh, off a tropical enclave called Plymouth Island. Unfortunately for him, his ex wife Karen finds him. She's played by Anne Hathaway, and she's looking for help regarding her mean husband, played by Jason Clark. I will give you $10 million to drop my husband in the ocean for the sharks.
1: There's right and wrong,
0: heaven and hell. weird stuff going on right now. This whole island's a part of it, but nobody knows it. Hathaway's return to McConaughey's life ruins his quiet existence as he is put back into a life he had tried to forget. So now he's once again struggling to decide what's right and what's wrong in the hope he can rediscover Serenity. Great cast in this, by the way, alongside McConaughey and Hathaway are Diane Lane, Jason Clarke, and Jimin Hansu. Serenity was supposed to open on October 19th, But now it's set to open January 25th, which means that, in spite of its great cast, it probably sucks. Okay, John, you want the truth? You don't. It's funny, huh? Where in the world are we?
1: Big Mouth will return to Netflix.
0: That's right, I'm back, you m- What's my lifespan? It is unclear.
1: That's a foul-mouthed ladybug, a recurring character in one of the best comedies out there right now, Netflix's Big Mouth. It's an animated show about middle school kids going through puberty. They get horrible advice from hormone monsters, shame wizards, and each other. It's hilarious and very dirty, but it also has a lot of heart. There's really nothing like it, and I'm thrilled it's coming back for a third season, as per this announcement this week from Netflix.
0: What the hell is going on?
1: They apparently can't find promo clips fit to air either. It really is a wonderful little show. Highly recommended.
0: Oh, shit. What these kids going to do? Hello.
1: Hi. You're soaking. No, come no, on. I'm fine. I'm fine. Comes a point when you're so wet, you can't get any wetter. Okay, I'll oh, come up.
0: No, please don't. I, I just want to check you're okay. Not busy killing yourself or anything, but...
1: Did you know Mindy Kaling was making a TV show based on the 1994 indie film Four Weddings and a Funeral? Neither did I, but apparently she's been working on it for a year or so, and I was glad when I learned this. And then they announced Andy McDowell would be in it, Man, honestly, of everyone in that wonderful cast, why bring her back? I don't want to pick on her, but there's a reason people laugh at what should be a very romantic climax in this movie.
0: For the first time in my whole life I realized I totally and utterly loved one person, and it wasn't the person standing next to me in the veil it's the person standing opposite me now in the rain
1: is it still raining I hadn't noticed Hugh Grant knocking it out of the park remember he was unknown until this movie and he was an a-list star immediately afterwards even acting against is it still raining I hadn't noticed But she signed on for a guest role on the TV show, presumably as her character Carrie from the movie. The show is being made for Hulu, hopefully it'll find someone in Canada to carry it, because I really do love that movie and i am very curious about the show. Do you think,
0: after we've dried off, after we've spent lots more time together, you might agree not to marry me? And do you think not? being married to me might maybe be something you could consider doing for the rest of your life i do (laughs) (laughs) that is the news on the couch (laughs) you really hate andy
1: mcdowell i i I really do i i don't i don't want to be mean but there's just something about her that just doesn't work for me man so you love that
0: movie love that movie and another one of your favorite films if memories recall uh, uh, is groundhog day everyone's one of
1: everyone's favorite movies. Everyone loves Groundhog Day. She's she's a little better in that. I will give her that. Okay. But it's still,
0: most times when I watch it, it's like, wow, they could have found somebody better. She was also in, I see, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Uh, oh, she was in the all-time classic action-adventure starring Bruce Willis, Hudson Hawk. Ouch. Ouch for everyone involved
1: in that one. Yeah. You want to see the best bad movie of all time it was i think it was like a hallmark movie it was definitely a tv movie and it's called riding the bus with my sister starring annie McDowell, but mostly starring a rosie o'donnell okay and it's that thing's bad from top to bottom like you wouldn't believe it's it's a it's a very fun watch if you can get through it i bet you couldn't even get through it
0: oh uh, well if you if you watch something like that with your friends when you get together and watch something that's bad it's still it's yeah it's the friday song but for like an hour and a half I know, I know some people who used to get together, uh, they used to watch bad, scary movies. Oh, yeah. And the one time they decided to watch The Human Centipede. Oh, my God. So even though they oh, were usually God. able to laugh their way through these films, that one left to them- To shut them down? Yeah, that one left them rather disturbed. I got in, I came in halfway through and just these blank stares on their faces, just horrified uh, at what So you saw watching. some of it? I saw, actually, it might have come in at the end. Oof. I didn't see much uh, of it That's so. the worst spot to be When you're in the human centipede. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you what's coming A home video up next Big Christmas classic Gets a 15th anniversary edition Ooh. Details in a moment You're listening to the Couch Potatoes Predators They'll conquer this planet
1: Do you have a plan? Ex sniper with PTSD And a team that's mental I see You between the lines You want to kill him? Oh yeah Why'd you just say so? Let's turn the table By some brothers and thrive in a hot environment. What is that? The ultimate predator.
0: Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes, having a look at what is coming to home video. What was that, Jeff? The
1: Predator on Digital HD on Tuesday, uh, with a pretty decent cast, Boyd Holbrick from what's in Narcos on Netflix, yep. Trevante Rhodes, who was in Moonlight, Jacob Tremblay, the little boy from Room. What? He's in the Predator movie? Wow. i I wonder, he's probably not one of the team that fights oh, I think the Predator. He
0: might, I think he's the kid who inadvertently triggers the return oh. of the Predators. He finds something that sends a signal out to them, and whoopsie-daisy, they come and invade Earth again.
1: Good job, Jacob. Keegan-Michael Key from Key & Peel, Olivia Munn from The Newsroom, and Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us and The Predator. The fifth or, uh, it's a reboot thing, right?
0: Yeah. Ish. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think it's uh, I can't, yeah rebootish. It's yeah, yeah. because they had Predator, the the classic from the eighties with Schwarzenegger. Right. Then there was Predator Two with Danny Glover, which was not so classic. And then there was versus the Alien. Yeah, Alien versus Predator. There were a couple of those. Right. And then there was Predators. I think a few years, but eight years ago or something. Shia LaBeouf. Was Shia LaBeouf uh, in I think so. Okay. Uh, also out the house with a clock in its walls. Okay.
1: Starring Jacob, ja- Jacob, Jacob Blackeb
0: do <laughs> you remember that that spot he used to do he used to run on, on uh, radio stations across canada and it was uh, well he didn't do it but the end of it, it was for nickelodeon and it was jack black saying nickelodeon that was jack
1: black yeah because i remember we used to sing that all the time yeah i'm pretty sure it was catchy. jack black that's that, that's it's on that's on brand I, I believe it um and over on blu-ray dvd f- searching with john show that's the uh, one where he's trying to find his daughter on the internet she goes to wait to school and disappears yeah that
0: looked really good there's
1: a 4k version of philadelphia i only put it on the list because i really like the movie philadelphia i don't think you need to see it in 4k but whatever and then uh the coup de grace here the elf
0: 15th anniversary edition
1: will ferrell's elf the christmas classic
0: and for you it's about the fifth anniversary yeah
1: i I was a long time holdout on that i was like well that looks like a silly kids movie why would i watch that then one day i watched that and laughed myself horse and I've watched it usually
0: twice a year ever since. Yeah, I watched it. I didn't watch it for the first time until 2008. And at the time, I thought, well, I don't quite get why people are so jacked up about this. But I also remem- had to remember that I watched it as an adult, on yeah, as yeah. a kid, not as a teenager. <clears throat> you naturally latch on to those things that you watch when you're younger, right? Right. But it is very funny. And it, it was, the I think, probably the movie that really helped solidify Will Ferrell as a star. Absolutely. And... He'll live on forever now just because of that movie. Other movies
1: sort of come and go. But if you get a Stone Cold Christmas classic, that thing can hang around for a while. And I think this is... There hasn't been anything as classic since Elf, so it's probably the
0: newest Christmas classic. Up next on The Couch Potatoes, Jeff referenced it earlier, the newest classic from the Coen Brothers. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch
1: Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Going to talk movies now. The Coen Brothers have a new film out on Netflix called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. People
0: are so easily distracted. So I'm the distractor with a little story. People can't get enough of them. Because, well, they connect the stories to themselves, I suppose. And we all love hearing about ourselves. So long as the people in the stories are us. But not us.
1: This'll tell the tale. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs directed by Joel and Ethan Coen starring Tim Blake Nelson, Clancy Brown, David Krumholtz, Liam Neeson, Bill Heck, Tom Waits, Zoe Kazan, Tyne Daly, Harry Melling, Brendan Gleeson, Saul Ruben Stephen Root, James Franco, Chelsea Ross, and a bunch of others. It is an anthology style movie meaning while it is one movie it is made up of six separate vignettes all of them westerns. The title is expanded at the beginning to read The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and other tales of the American frontier. Buster Scruggs Scruggs, played by Tim Blake Nelson, actually only appears in the very first story, and it's a comic romp, that one. Scruggs is a guitar-playing cowboy, singing easy-listening country songs while his horse lazily rides him into town. He likes to play cards, he looks for a poker game, and that's when the trouble starts. What follows are some very violent gunfights, almost shockingly so. Scruggs, the whole while with a goofy grin and a gomer pile golly G. willikers-type demeanor. It's very funny, it's very dark, and it's very Cohen. The other five stories all similarly Coheny. yi I don't want Get into it too much because, as short stories, it doesn't take a lot to spoil them. So, uh, just keep a mum on those. As a whole, though, the movie is basically all their different styles in one there's screwball comedy, there is serious arresting drama, there's the in between area where they are their best, and there's one tragic story that I think really pushes this into their upper tier. Time will tell for sure. After all, I don't think there's one Cohen movie that isn't better the second time you watch it. There's stuff. Their stuff is just like that. The more you watch, the more you get out of it. So while all six stories feel like Cohen stories, they don't really connect at all other than there's one tangential connection between the first story and the last. Again... After I rewatch it a few times, I may realize all sorts of connections. I feel like they should have connected them better, though. It would have made it all the more impressive if it was they're all directly connected, but that's just a minor quibble. The movie looks fantastic. These guys are precision filmmakers, almost to the same degree that Stanley Kubrick films are. Um, it, it adds this coldness that works with so much of their stuff because they put their characters through the ringer in a way that you really do want some emotional distance from it all because it would be sort of unbearable to watch. Otherwise, it's sharp, crisp, deliberate. The, Gorgeous, because of the Western scenery. And the violence is really something else. They love shooting people in the head. There are some pretty gross things in here as well, which I did not really care for. Uh, And the well-versed Coen fan, of course, knows that animals are not immune from their violence either, so prepare yourself for that. The weirdest part about it all was... The Netflix of it all. I was watching the CFL playoffs with a buddy last Sunday, and he asked during a break if I'd watched Buster Scruggs yet, and I'd totally forgotten that it had even come out. He had already seen it, and it's uh, been a long time since any of my friends got a jump on me with the Coens. Needless to say, I would have much rather seen it on the big screen, but it's the world we live in now, and Netflix is driving hard for world domination. The movie did play in some real theaters in order to be eligible for awards. And I think we will start hearing the word Netflix at the Oscars from now on. Maybe not this, although maybe this. But uh, Alfonso Cuaron, he won an Oscar for directing Gravity a few years ago. He's got a movie called Roma coming out on Netflix in a couple of weeks that the critics have been gushing over and say it's like one of the Oscar frontrunners. So it's going to be Netflix at the Oscars this year. Buster Scruggs, meantime, will almost certainly get into the Golden Globes in that comedy musical category. There's also a lot of singing that might actually be a musical. The only drawback I thought was that it made me want a new... Full-length feature from the Brothers Cohen. They have proven themselves great at short-form filmmaking now, and it just left me wanting more. Four and a half couch cushions out of five for the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. How
0: long was this thing?
1: Two hours and 15 minutes. Really? Yep. It was this was originally supposed to be a series? They, they yeah, they said it was going to be like a six-episode series. So I guess each one of these vignettes would have been a, it's only half-hour show or something like that. Okay. And then for I don't know why they slammed it together. I think honestly, I think that they realized or somebody said, "Hey, this stuff is really good. Mash it into a movie, and then you can win awards and that sort of thing." And probably, and I think that's what Netflix wants: is to have their name ringing clear from awards podiums in the. Middle of winter.
0: Yeah, if, if they can get into the discussion of prestige film, mm-hmm. that does help elevate them. And it just gives them that extra buzz, like the f- the mere concept of Netflix having a presence at the Oscars. Yeah. Kind of, it almost offends me. <laughs> I know, right? And that's what they're trying. They're trying desperately to overcome that.
1: The The offense of it all is that you don't get to see these things in theaters unless, you know, you work in critic circles that are, live in L.A. or New York. Yeah. And, that's, and that that really did
0: bug me I was like because, because it looks It's so well shot I was like Oh this would look good On a big screen Well you saw another movie This week I, And I was shocked When you told me You saw this
1: one <laughs> Yeah I did see it It's uh, called Instant Family Marky Mark And Rose Byrne Star
0: in it I love what you two Are doing with this house But what are you gonna do With five bedrooms You guys are obviously Never having kids
1: What was that look I did not do a look
0: You're doing a look Right now There's no look Have a good fight guys
1: They're looking to add to their family and consider fostering a teenage girl. Lizzie
0: comes with two younger siblings. Three kids? Too much. Oh Oh my god. They're adorable. Why would you show us that? That's wrong.
1: So next thing they know, they have three kids and as brand new parents, they are overwhelmed and hilarity ensues.
0: Look at what this boy texted her. Is this that kid, Jacob? Hey! I saw (gasps) the picture you sent for, Jacob. You're lucky I'll end your life right now, Carrot Top. We're gonna call your mom. You're going down today. So, what do you think of that, Jacob? My name is not Jacob. What? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this was a bit of a weird one, I thought. You were surprised that I went to go see it, Brett?
0: Yeah, this doesn't strike me as a film uh, that Jeff Brown would go see in theater. I Uh, suspect you were maybe dragged to this uh, one. I will not say dragged in public, (laughs) but it was agreed upon
1: by my girlfriend and I that we would go see this last Friday night. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, And for starters, it's not a straight comedy like you would think it is from the trailer there uh, that I thought it was going to be. I don't mean that it has a little dramatic turn at the end like most comedies do. It has some fairly dramatic stuff peppered in all all the way through. It also has some very silly comedy, so tonally it's a bit of a mess. It's very hard to pull off real comedy and real drama in the same movie, which is why so few movies even try to. There's some whiplash involved in watching Instant Family in that regard. It doesn't ruin the movie or anything, but it does create an odd sensation at times. Mark Wahlberg, oddly enough, is an actor that fits very well into things that you aren't quite sure are trying to be funny or are trying to be serious. He can read a line and people will be divided as to whether he's doing it comically or not. That actually helps in this movie. Um, to be fair, it is more overtly comedic than dramatic, but the drama feels pretty real and pretty heavy when it hits. The movie is largely about the foster care system, and that involves a lot of sad stories, and they can come across as very real. Foster parents telling stories about how difficult the adjustment can be for them and for the children. And then it's, like, undercoat, undercut by a joke about a single mom looking to adopt an athletic black boy that she hopes will become a star football player, which, is yeah, that's insane and then they ride that joke all the way through the movie. People keep accusing her of trying to blind, of blindsiding the system, a reference to the Sandra Bullock movie, *Blind*, The Blindside, where she adopts a black kid who goes on to be an NFL star. Uh, the movie also seems to be underwritten by whatever the official foster care organization in the U.S. is. There's a website and a call to action appear Right at the beginning Of the end credits Oscar winner Octavia Spencer And comedian Tig Notara Play the foster agents, And they actually Have some good chemistry And they're responsible For a lot of the Legitimate laughs In the movie But they also drop Stats and anecdotes In a manner that Actually made me wonder If the official Foster care organizations Wrote the script So I guess I wasn't far off I'm not sure The movie takes Seriously the matter Of foster care and adoption And then you know Drops in the blindsiding Lady for laughs Very weird at times The family stuff Between Wahlberg Burn and the three kids is all great. It sort of goes as you would expect. They're excited, then it's harder than they think. The little ones like them. The teenager is difficult. Will the teen ever love them? Will the birth mother they've been taken from get the kids back? Uh, They aren't reinventing the wheel in storytelling here, but I found it all quite compelling. There were occasional some very funny bits and some effective dramatic bits as well. Overall, though, I don't think it's really worth a trip to the theater and your hard-earned money. It'll be a decent renter when it comes out on home video. Three couch
0: cushions out of five for instant family. Up next on the couch potatoes, I got mostly caught up on the Marvel Netflix universe, and you'll be surprised by which one I enjoyed the most. You're listening to the couch potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the couch potatoes. Last week, Jeff... Filled in uh, for, well, it was just you last week, Jeff. It was so, just me. Yeah, I had to take a few days away, so thank you very much for that. And while I was away, I was away from my television as well uh, because I was staying at a friend's place, and they they have a TV but no cable. So yeah. I watched. But still your friend. Yes, All still right. my friend. I But they have <laughs> access to Netflix, oh, so I go. watched a ton of Netflix. I decided to get caught up on Marvel Season two of Jessica Jones, season two of Luke Cage, and season two of Iron Fist. Worth pointing out, I still have not watched season one of The Punisher. Uh, I do intend to get to that because I'm a completist and because I hear it's actually pretty good. But of these three, I would remind that when Jessica Jones came out in November 2015, I loved it. I still rank season one of Jessica Jones as the best, I think, the best overall season from everything that they've done the Marvel shows I've done on Netflix, uh, followed by probably season three of Daredevil, and then season one of Daredevil, and then Luke Cage season In one. I enjoyed it, but it you know the first half of that season I thought was really good. The second half, not so good. Right, and then Iron Fist. Uh oh. Season one of Iron Fist was the worst piece of trash I think I've ever watched. <laughs> on television. Oh my god. It is a steaming stinking piece of trash of a season. It is awful from start to finish. So, when I watched these seasons of television, I was a little surprised at what happened. So, first let's get into Jessica Jones real quick here. I'll start at the beginning. My whole family was killed in a car accident.
1: Someone did horrific experiments on me.
0: I was abducted, raped, and forced to kill someone. And I'm in here, bouncing a damn ball. So, how is anger management? Still angry. Season 1 debuted in November 2015. Season 2 debuted March 2018. Two and a half years. I couldn't remember what happened in Season 1. So that took away from my enjoyment of Season 2. Jessica is a private investigator who has superpowers thanks to some experiments that she suffered through. She does not like being superpowered and only uses her abilities when she absolutely has to. She's just haunted by her past. She hates herself, pretty much hates everyone, and she drinks a ton to try to numb all of that pain. Kristen Ritter plays Jones. She's very good at making this character likable because... She's not likable at all. Jessica Jones is mean to her friends, so you can imagine how she treats her enemies. She's an insufferable grump to be around, and yet people still gravitate to her. And you just can't help but like her as a viewer, because you know she's not being mean on purpose. She's just struggling to get through the day, and you just keep rooting for her to find a way to figure it out. So that's one of the main reasons why season one was so effective because it wasn't just a comic book show. It was a show about PTSD and how this particular character deals with it. However, as we move into season two, I was kind of hoping we'd get past some of that. But nope, she's still brooding about her past and finally faces it. Still a compelling story, but the bad guy in season one was so good. Whereas in this, you can't even really call call it a bad guy all i can say is it's complicated also there was this side shoot story about her friend trish dealing with addiction while the message was important uh, addiction very important storyline i think it just fell flat and it felt completely unnecessary and that's one of the problems with the marvel netflix model it's almost always 13 episodes even when the story doesn't need to go that long more on that a little bit later I will point out in some of the notes I wrote here satisfying conclusion startlingly, startlingly abrupt conclusion which I thought was brave uh, the character Hogarth who was played by Trinity from the Matrix Carrie Ann Moss she was tremendous ice cold just an ice queen in this so I would like to see her more much more of her throughout any of these Marvel shows also Jessica Jones private investigator yep. she was a really bad detective in this season really she was making all kinds Kinds of huh. dumb mistakes. I just wrote here, she is a crappy detective. So it do was they, good, just not great. Do they use her powers a lot? Barely.
1: That's what that's what I didn't like about the first one. Yeah. It's so, like she can jump as high as a
0: building or whatever and has super powerful punches and kicks. It's like use it. I know, and they, she barely uses it. And the same thing with Luke Cage, <laughs> moving on to season two of Luke Cage barely uses his powers in that. Um I thought that Overall, Luke Cage, it, this season was super slow, but it was weird because it was still good. Like, it ended up being a, a solid piece of drama hmm. rather than a comic book show. Of all the Marvel shows, this one has the best supporting cast with the best characters. Uh, the late Reg E. Kathy is in this. Uh, the guy who play oh, I meant to have the, the cast. Who is the... Uh, the dad from This Is Us, Sterling K. Brown's dad and This Is Us. Oh, yeah, 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 from Mr. Robot as well. Ron so, Cephas-Jones, thank you, you very go. much. But uh, the standout in Luke Cage was Alfre Woodard. She really shines in this one as Mariah Dillard, a.k.a. Black Mariah. She I mean, she's bo- not... I wouldn't just say bordering on a hammy. She really hams it up, just chewing the scenery. <laughs> but she, I loved it. It was super fun. She was great, but the show... Just kind of fell flat for me. Again, this 13 episodes is too long. Yeah. So then we come along to Iron Fist, which was only 10 episodes instead of 13. Oh. I guess they're finally figuring it out. And surprise, I liked Iron Fist the best. Huh. I couldn't believe it. I mean not it was not perfect. And I think the first half was still pretty clunky. There was one point where I actually wrote down in my notes. I JUST DON'T CARE! <laughs> but I ended up caring. The the this the last five episodes were tons of fun, and it had a great ending with a super cool cliffhanger that left cool. me wanting more, but now it's gone because Netflix cancelled Iron Fist oh. and then a week later they cancelled Luke Cage. Zoics. So I don't know what's happening here, I don't know if they're getting ready to do a team-up show, like uh, in the comics there's Heroes for Hire where Luke and Iron I Fist- I thought
1: they were Defenders.
0: They're, they're probably not going to do another no. Defender. I think what might be happening is Netflix won't do anything else, but maybe Disney will because they're getting ready to launch their own streaming yeah, yeah, yeah. service. Right? So they might be looking to take back whichever properties Netflix doesn't Ooh. want. So yeah, Iron Fist season two. I I am shocked to say that I liked it, and I'm glad I watched it because it did ha- it redeemed itself from its first season, which was just just awful. Guy. Love when that happens, oh. the redemption. Yeah, you got, I, everyone likes a comeback. <laughs> That's all the time we have. I'm Brett, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Next week, I'm hoping to see both Creed 2 and either The Grinch or Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh Remember, you can get our podcast anywhere you can find podcasts. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.